The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Goodnight Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film, Goodnight Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Goodnight Maryland Radio, Nina Bosky. Hi, everyone. I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Maryland Radio, and welcome to the show as we explore the investigation, life, and the movie all surrounding Miss Monroe herself. Well, as Goodnight Maryland fans, we're growing around the world each and every day. And it's because of you and this story that we have been shedding some great light on this mystery that's been haunting us for 53 years. We are in season two, Maryland's last day. It also happens to be the last show of the season until January of 2016. So I suggest that if you're just tuning in, it's time to play catch up and listen to all of them. They're all on demand and they'll be there for the next several months until we start season three. Uh, Before we get started in the whole introduction of the show, I'm going to bring on a special guest. His name is Scott Fortner. He has been considered an authority on Marilyn Monroe. Scott Fortner owns one of the world's largest private collections of of authentic Marilyn Monroe-owned items. Items of note is his collection that includes the brilliant green poochie blouse that Marilyn was wearing in the last ever photos taken of her alive. You know, he also assists in major auction companies on authenticating and verifying Marilyn Monroe-owned items and memorabilia and Marilyn Monroe autographs. He's often called upon worldwide news agencies, including Associated Press, the B. BBC and Reuters to comment on current Marilyn Monroe topics. I'm going to welcome to the show uh, Scott Fortner. Thank you so much for being here and sharing with us a little bit about your history of Marilyn and also the uh, wonderful collection that you have. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. What, you, you know, everybody, you know, when I'm talking about actually finding items or possible it's always ask Scott Fortner. He might have it. Uh, so, <laughs> so how in the world did you ever get started uh, with the the real legacy of Marilyn Monroe and collecting Marilyn Monroe memorabilia and knowing so much about her as you do? Well, I've always had this kind of connection with Marilyn for some reason. Ever since I was a pretty um, young kid, it was just a fascination that I had um, with her. And so my collecting initially started with books. Anytime I would get a book, uh, I would see a book about Marilyn, and I, w- I would have to purchase it and add it to my collection. And so um, I've got a pretty expansive collection of books on Marilyn at this point. Uh, but my um, collecting shifted a little bit or broadened, if you will, once I got what we in the Marilyn Monroe community call 
our Bible, which is uh, the 1999 um, auction catalog for the personal property of Marilyn Monroe, and that's when her entire estate went up for auction. And so, you know, you really get a chance to see Marilyn up close and personal when you are looking at her own personal belongings and possessions and items and clothing and whatnot. So I was able to purchase that catalog and then, um, you know, the sale that took place in 1999, a lot of us were excluded just based on the sheer prices of pieces (laughs) uh, in that auction, but they started to come up after the fact. So people would purchase items and then turn around and resell them. And so that's really when I started collecting Marilyn Monroe owned pieces. Um, And my first was a, a script from Marilyn's collection that I purchased off eBay that came from the 99 auction. And um, it's really just kind of taken off since there. And that was about 2000 or 2001. Wow. So so if you think about it, like 2000, you know, to about 15 years, and you've got one of the largest and most expansive, what are some of the other things that you've collected over the years? Um, In regards to Maryland's collection, Maryland memorabilia? Yeah. you know, I think, um, you know, you mentioned the green Pucci blouse, which I was lucky enough to acquire in 2009. And, um, you know, that's really amazing because Marilyn loved Pucci so much. Uh, but I also um, stumbled across, and I say that because I didn't know it at the time when I purchased it, uh, one of the very first furs that Marilyn had ever purchased with her own money. And so it was a white fox muff that was included with a lot of furs. And then I was really going after this lot for another fur item, which was uh, a mink collar that uh, Marilyn is pictured wearing pretty extensively. But um, not long after I won this particular lot of furs, I was reading a book uh, on Marilyn, and it was talking about her getting prepared for the premiere of How to Marry a Millionaire, and she wore a white fox muff and a white fox stole. And I thought, that couldn't possibly be the white fox muff that I just purchased. (laughs) So I got out of bed. I was literally in bed reading, got out of bed, and I went to uh, one of my favorite websites to start looking for some photos, and that's Everlasting Star. And uh, sure enough, there's Marilyn at the premiere of How to Marry a Millionaire uh, wearing the white fox uh, muff that I had just purchased at auction. And you have it. Um, if right. I think I remember correctly, in the documentary with her, which you were one of the one of the uh, people fe- featured in that wonderful movie about the fans and the dedication that uh, you and and a lot of people have about her, but you in particular. And I remember, and I think it was you. Do you have actually? It's either cream or lipstick or something that it, it actually you can see the the the, the <laughs> fingerprint of when she last, you know, uh, used, uh, used the, I, I, was it a cream? Is it, and is it you yeah, that has it? It's yeah, a face yeah, yeah. cream. Face cream. Right. So um, I had, uh, this was by happenstance also, I had submitted an absentee bid for a lot of Erno Laszlo products um, at a Marilyn Monroe auction. And I didn't get a chance to see it in advance because the auction was um, in Beverly Hills and I don't live in the LA area, but I was lucky enough to win that uh, particular lot of Erno Laszlo. And then when I got it in the mail after it was shipped to me, I opened um, one of the jars of cream to discover that it was about two thirds empty and you can still see Marilyn's um, fingers, her trails from her fingers as she was scooping the product out of the jar. And it's just, um, it's still there. 
It's still there. It's still there yeah. preserving preserving her and her legacy. You know, one of the things that I love about what you do and some other people that, uh, you know, Mary Jane is dedicated to this as well in terms of, you know, the misquotes. And I saw something on your Facebook page this last week and it just shook my head where uh, a person was trying to sell an autograph and they didn't even spell her name right. They, they autographed it. Was it Myland or whatever Marilyn? That wasn't Marilyn Monroe, but they spelled it wrong. Is that, is that it's a lot of stuff yeah. that you come up with? with every day? Yeah, I mean, I get emails pretty, pretty much daily of people that are emailing me about things. I have this in my collection. I purchased that. I'm interested in buying this. What do you think about this? And this was a particular piece that actually happens to be at a memorabilia store, and it was a photo of the Red Velvet, uh, Marilyn from the Red Velvet series. And someone had signed her name to it, but they spelled it M-A-R-Y-L-N. <laughs> And of course, that's not right. And I thought, well, gee, if you're going to forge Marilyn Monroe's name, the very first thing that you absolutely positively have to get right is the spelling <laughs> of her name. Her and, name. Um, yeah. yeah. It just, I just shook my head because it's so, uh, you know, probably more with Marilyn than I would say any other celebrity. It's just so, um, you know, over exploited in terms of what she said, what she didn't say, you know, right. uh, what's hers, what's not hers. So it, I'm sure that's, mm-hmm. you know, a full-time job unto itself. What do you want us to know about Marilyn that we might not know? Well, I think one thing that a lot of people don't necessarily realize about Marilyn is that um, the Marilyn Monroe persona was a caricature. It was um, an an individual that she created that she really turned into. Uh, It wasn't how she was all the time. You know, a lot of people think that Marilyn really was this dumb blonde individual, but, you know, you could literally see her transition into this character. Um, One of my favorite stories is uh, Marilyn is walking down the street uh, with Susan Strasberg, and she turns to Susan and says, would you like to see me be her? And um, they were walking down the street pretty unnoticed, and no one was paying attention, even realizing that it was Marilyn Monroe. But Marilyn kind of went into the character, and um, they were just pretty much instantly mobbed after that, where people realized, wow, that's Marilyn Monroe. And she wasn't made up. She wasn't obviously dressed like Marilyn Monroe, but it was literally this persona that she took on uh, when she started portraying this, this character. So I think she was actually quite smart. Um, I've had a chance to um, luckily go through those two um, filing cabinets that were discovered years after the fact. They were in Vanity Fair a couple of years ago, but I was able to go through and look at every single document that was in those filing cabinets and read her personal notes about um, responding to other people, responding to fan mail, looking at fan mail that she received. Um, and, you know, she really was a bright, smart, intelligent woman and was actually focused on her own business and her own career. And I think that most people just don't really think of her in that way, but uh, it actually is the case. And that's, I think that's enlightening for a lot of people and also that she had a lot of depth too. I, you know, in some mm-hmm. of her writings and poems too, you, you certainly get that from her. I know you've got to go, so I'm not going to keep you any longer. We can keep going on this. I'd like to just mm-hmm. put out your website too. It is the MarilynMonroeCollection.com. That's the MarilynMonroeCollection.com. Thank you, Scott Fortner, for being with us and taking a little time out and sharing a little Marilyn with us. Well, absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much. 
All right. Thank you. You're listening right. to Goodbye. You're listening to Good Night Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky as we explore the investigation, the life, and the movie all surrounding Marilyn Monroe. This is uh, season two, the last day of Marilyn Monroe's life. It is also our last show of the season. Uh, please pay, uh, play a little catch up if you haven't listened to all the, the other episodes. We'll be back in January with season three. At this time, I'd like to solicit your help. Not in theory. You know, I think uh, we've covered a lot of that in theory on this show, but we also have uncovered a lot of fact. We do know that Marilyn was over-prescribed in terms of her medicine, and that's probably an understatement. We do know that Dr. Engelberg lied. He did prescribe chloral hydrate. Uh, We do know that. We do, do know that many people came up with stories and theories 20 years after her death, but they could not substantiate it with any evidence or proof, such as the Red Diary, the wiretapes. Bobby Kennedy and Gilroy are in L.A. It seems that was a very passionate subject this week on uh, Gary's Icon uh, uh, Facebook page. You know, as it comes to Bobby Kennedy, and I said this on the post, I'll say it here, and I think this is really the case with, with this. If you think that Bobby Kennedy was in Los Angeles the last day of Marilyn's life, you are not going to be convinced otherwise unless you were shown, not told, something new. And the same is true for the people who think that he was in Gilroy. If you do not believe, if you believe he was in Gilroy, you're going to have to be shown, not told, and otherwise, right? You'll have to prove it. So we need your help here. I know there are some fans and experts out there that have a lot of information and or doing some active research now around Marilyn's death. Some of the areas that could be beneficial, phone records, the last day. Who has them and how can we get them? You know, we've talked about this on the show in terms of Marilyn's phone records, but I think there's an issue in terms of the records of it was outgoing or incoming calls that you can actually, uh, we have records of. But I was thinking about some of the people that she might have been in contact with, Dr. Greenson, Peter Lawford, Pat Newcomb. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could get those phone records as well? We also would like to get the plumbing records of Marilyn's original house. Did they have a a plumbing line going out from the main house to the garage? If they did not, we can now safely say with almost 100% certainty that she did not have a washer or dryer going in the middle of the night, which makes Jack Clemens' testimonial about the infamous washing machine, you know, and the sheets being done in the middle of the night are not true. We can no longer have people saying things, guys. We need documentation, first-hand eyewitnesses, which is going to be hard because a lot of people are passing away, not second- and third-hand witnesses. You know, we also on this show have come to learn that the people that have been interviewed in the media that have been on some of these shows, we now know that they barely knew Marilyn, some of these people. We have also started a foundation of the real-life investigation into the case. We have some top experts in the field of law, legal, medicine, mental health, and, of course, Marilyn. We have Dr. Cyril Weck, Dr. Michael Baden on the pathologist side. We have Ricky Jones with over 28 years of law enforcement, including the LAPD. Skip McComer, who's ex-LAPD. We're working with the current LAPD. Daryl Connerton, ex-CIA, during 
the Kennedy administration, I must add. Dr. Reef Kareem, who's a well-known psychiatrist here in Los Angeles and also nationwide. Dr. Scott Bond, who's a criminologist and a well-known suicide expert. We have Gary Vitaco Robles. We have Mary Jane Gray. We have we have Leslie Kasperowitz. We have Lois Banner. We even have our own psychic medium, Robin Alexis. So believe me, and we have the fans that are doing a lot of research, like April, you know, who came on the show. So, you know, it's because of you guys that we now know that, and, and we need you, because Maryland, Maryland's death has not been completely vindicated. You know, you hear me say this, and I'm going to say it one more time because it's the last show of the season. We need to move this case from tragedy into transformation. And one of the best ways we can do this is by getting to the truth. It will be closure, not only for the case, but it'll allow the death of Marilyn to be complete so she can live in our hearts forever in a more enlightened way, not only just as an iconic star, but as a human being like each of us are just trying to make our way in the world to love and to be loved. And speaking of being love, I'd like to give a great shout out to uh, the panel this season for really stepping up and giving us insight into Maryland, really trying to stay on the facts. And it's not easy because there's so many holes. But Leslie Kasperowitz, Mary Jane Gray, and Gary Vitaka Robles, this show would not have been what it was without your contributions and your love for Maryland. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And also a special shout out to the Voice American Networks for believing in this show and what we could do. You know, it started out a way to promote the movie and and learn a little bit more about her death and it has grown into so much more and really a mission, uh, not only for me, but the people involved to really see, see this through and make sure that there is a completion here also like to thank Mike Surgat, our engineer, uh, who, uh, you know, each and every week is, is trying to keep me on track, and I say trying to keep me on track, and Jen, our social media person who is a, a passionate about Marilyn and bringing the truth, and she comes back and she'll ask me questions about, do you think it's, it's best that we post something like that, and her real dedication and sensitivity to certain, certain subjects, and Drew Masters, who went off and uh, did a wonderful, is doing a wonderful movie. Movie, but uh, was our talent booker early in the season and just want to thank him for, for being a part of the show. And of course, Randall Libero, our initial meeting back in Arizona at the Biltmore Hotel, Maryland plastered all around in an art exhibit. That's where it all started. So Randall, I'd like you to, uh, to uh, say a few words and uh, you know, give us a little insight into what you're thinking. Well, uh, hello everyone and uh, hello to our panel and uh, again, my uh, sincere, deep appreciation to all the effort that you, the three of you, have given to this program. It's been really an honor to, to be involved and hear the revealing of the truth on this program. And it's, it's been an amazing journey. And also, I just want to say one thing that has been said on this program so far. If you haven't signed our petition Go to goodnightmaryland.com and please sign the petition that we have on the site and add your name to the list of, so we can get this, uh, get actually the, the real investigation of this case reopened so we can all give her some peace out there. Um, I just want to close and take about a minute here to, to talk about Marilyn 
and I want to ask uh, any of our panel, uh, what was the actual date that she changed her name from officially from legally from Norma Jean to Marilyn? What was that? What was going on in that date? Does anyone know? I believe it was. Uh, in she changed it. Sorry, in 1956. Um, she'd been using it since 1946. Okay. Um, but she actually didn't change it until 56. So. Um, she, when she married Arthur Miller, she was actually Marilyn Monroe Miller, uh, whereas when she married Joe DiMaggio, she was actually Norma Jean DiMaggio. Interesting fact. <laughs> okay, so that was in 1956. Yeah, it was uh, February 23rd. Yeah, where, where, where did that happen? Where was she at that time? Does any... uh, she would have been living in New York. In New York, okay. So I think, for me, looking at Marilyn's life... Uh, here was a woman who was all her life trying to find her place, whether it was with, you know, her family or with being, you know, a wife or uh, any number of, of places in the, in, you know, that she could have been. I think the place inside of herself, when the day that she changed her name, I, had some very powerful significance for her because it was something that she had out of her own kind of soul that she had created this, person who the world knew and that she had coming uh, from a woman who was coming from some pretty extreme circumstances as a child, that she was able to have this effect. And I think that day, even though she had performed in front of, you know, the 100,000 soldiers in Korea and put her hands in the cemented ground with Chinese theater and won her Golden Globe, I think the day that she changed her name had more significance to her than any of those days. That's just the way that it, my sense about her as a person. Wow. Well, that's any of the panel you want to um, add to that at all before we keep moving? Uh, I would. I think that it was a big thing for her. She was um, really moving into a different place in her life. She had started her own production company. She was preparing to marry Arthur Miller. She was really looking to the future. Um, she wrote on the back of her wedding picture when she married Arthur Miller, hope, hope, hope. And I think that really speaks to where she was at in her life. She was full of hope and she was looking to the future and uh, really hoping to start a new chapter in her life. So I would say the name change probably was very significant to her. All right. Um, Randall, um, is there anything else before we take a break? We're, uh, we're running a little bit uh, behind no, it as I'm getting... That's, oh, that's, right. I just wanted to say to everyone, we've got you know, several months worth of programming here. If you haven't been following, you know, catch up and uh, stay connected to Goodnight Maryland, our, you know, our Facebook page, the website, and uh, you know, keep, keep, the, uh, keep the energy moving. Even though we're not going to be here every week, and you can still send people these shows, share them, talk about it on social media. You know, just keep the energy moving of what we've what we've accomplished so far, and uh, we'll be back with more uh, in upcoming months. Yeah, I do have to say that because we are getting new information in and new, um, not just uh, not just hearsay, uh, but potential evidence. And I say that because I do want to also give the fans hope that it doesn't have to be just rhetoric of theory and uh, possibility that we might actually have some vindication about some of the things that we've been talking about on all these shows over the last, you know, six, six, seven months. So thank you, Randall, for all your uh, support. And you and Voice America Networks. We're going to take a quick, uh, quick break, and we'll be back with the panel right after this. Here was a beautiful woman, symbol of uh, attractiveness, and she did not have a date for Saturday night. Monroe liked the feeling 
of being um, under the influence of the sleeping pills. She, it gave her a woomy, toomy feeling that she liked. I speculate that she was feeling depressed and abandoned. And in that feeling of being depressed and abandoned, decided to take the pills. And in her mind was the feeling that for sure she wouldn't be away from the feeling of loneliness and abandonment. And in her mind was the knowledge that it could kill her. And in her mind was the knowledge that she might be rescued. And in her mind was the wish that somehow her life would change. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations, live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. My confidence comes from knowing there is a force, a power greater than myself that I'm a part of, and is also a part of me. We're all interconnected. We're all in this together. You start questioning things. Why is it like this? Is God the person with the old white beard? I just fell really hard. I don't want to be carrying that anymore. To ask these questions is really the privilege of being human. Hope is the simple belief that things can change. I don't know why, I just know I have to be there. I just have to be there. I believe in the things that I see and touch and hear. I look at it, God brought me into this world for a purpose, the same as God brought every human being into this world for a purpose.
to you to believe. Welcome back to Good Night Maryland Radio. With me is the panel Leslie Kaspirowitz, Mary Jane Gray from Immortal Maryland and best-selling author and Maryland expert Gary Vitaco Robles, icon lifetimes and films of Marilyn Monroe. We are going to be discussing the suicide prevention team and also some remaining thoughts from the uh, the team and the panel as uh, we leave on uh, season two, the last uh, last show of the season. So before we get into that, I'd like to uh, just give you my little Life Bites question. Most of you just heard the, the, the last segment. That's the new belief series coming out from Oprah and Own, October 18th through the 24th. It's a seven-day mini-series. I encourage all of you to check it out if you are in uh, inspired. Uh, today's question, if you had six months to live, how would you be living your life? Would anything change? How would it be different? If you knew you had six months to live, how would you live? is the question. The reason why I'm uh, asking this question this week is it's inspired by my friend, my colleague, an angel who did some really good work here on earth, Rafael Bejarano. This is a very special shout out to him as he passed away this last week. You guys might have heard about this, uh, the Egyptian military attack, uh, supposedly by accident, shot down 12 people. He was one of them. He happened to be there with his family, his mother and girlfriend, Both of them survived, uh, obtained injuries, but obviously Raphael was, uh, did not, not do so. And, uh, Raphael, if you knew him, embodied love and helping people. He lit up a room and made you feel like you were the most special person in the world. He was a healer and a magical man whose time here on earth was limited. So I was, uh, supposed to actually even go with him last year on a cause mission to Ecuador. You can now say, I wish I did. So to spend a little bit more time with the people you love and care about is key. You know, life can be so fleeting. In one of his interviews recently, he said, we're all going to die. It's how we live. So I encourage you to take these words to heart. You know, we never know when and when our time here is is going to be up. So if you had six months to live, how would you live your life? As it is so famously quoted in the Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying. So if you'd like to help Raphael's family, as you can only un- imagine that they are dealing with a devastating loss and having to get healed from their own injuries and get home. They're actually having a tr- getting trouble, having trouble getting home. If you'd like to help, we're going to go ahead and post um, some information on the donation page to our Goodnight Maryland uh, Facebook page. And I know that if he was here with me right now, he would be telling all of us just one thing, and that's love. Got some wonderful shout outs today. Karen and her precious daughter, Jamie, from the UK had some special time with them. They were here in the United States last month at the uh, uh, 53rd anniversary of Marilyn's passing. Also some fans that have been communicating uh, not only to me, but on the Facebook posts, Phil and Bill and Jackie and Frazier and Nathalie and I think I'm saying her name right, Mew, M-E-A-U, Sydney, David Marshall for all of his expertise from the DD Group, and of course, April, uh, you know, her wonderful blog, Unraveling the Slander of Marilyn Monroe, Greg Schreiner for Marilyn Remembered and giving us a little insight into those Marilyns, uh, especially last season. 
Mary Sims for introducing me to such great experts and researchers that I wouldn't have this panel without her. Vince over at the Formosa for hosting two of our Goodnight uh, Maryland events this uh, this la- these last couple of months. So, and also Wanda in Healdsburg, California. We have Dane in Orlando, Florida. Mitch in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Luca in Dijon, France. Winnie in Fresno, California. Chelsea from Portland, Oregon. Paula in Savannah, Georgia, Jeanette in Sarasota, Florida, Dana in Manhattan, New York, Jean in San Antonio, Texas, and Betsy in London, England. So with that, what is it, 1030? We're getting started with the panel and the Suicide Prevention Team. Hi, panel. Welcome Hi, to Nina. the show. Hi, Nina. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, um, last last show uh, we talked a lot about Bobby Kennedy. And, Gary, you brought up some really good points that in terms of, um, you know, it deals with her death, so that's why I'm transitioning into that, in terms of the phone calls. Do you want to give us a little insight into what you uncovered and poss- uh, possibly give us something more? to think about. Sure. So, you know, in relation to Kennedy's role and, you know, what could have been a cover-up, I believe we, we do have some clues because, you know, there's, there's, there's supportive information that suggests that maybe Kennedy was somehow attempting to assist her in uh, negotiating her reinstatement back on the film. And yep. um, th- this is because the father, Joe Kennedy, had a connection to Samuel Rosenman, who was on the board of directors at Fox. And it's entirely possible that Marilyn was hoping that the attorney general would, general would somehow advocate for her or use some of his leverage to influence him to reinstate her. And her phone calls to the Justice Department range from the end of June to the end, um, the end of July. And this coincides with the documented negotiations between Marilyn and Fox. So, you know, I think it's significant that on July 25th, when Kennedy is supposedly back in L.A., this is the same um, day that the administration of Fox changed, and Daryl Zanuck stepped in and um, pretty much overthrew Milton Gould, who was the man who fired Marilyn. Interesting. And, you know, if we we look at what could have been the cover-up, you know, the timing, you know, the sequencing of this is that Marilyn um, goes to New York to sing to the president, and within three weeks, she's terminated. And although she had permission to leave, this was not reported by Fox. They used her trip to New York as um, justification for firing her. So if, they, if anyone, Fox or the Kennedys or anyone else, believed that Marilyn had taken her life, um, I would imagine that they'd be very concerned that she might have written something down or left some evidence that she was ending her life because of the professional consequences of her appearing at the gala, because ultimately it could have been perceived that that destroyed her livelihood, and the Kennedys are certainly connected to that. And if they hadn't helped her, uh, the public could also have a reaction to that. Well, I think that anytime there's a death and a high celebrity death and there are people that are connected to it, even if it isn't about, uh, you know, contributing to her death mm-hmm. per se, right? Um, having that, those kind of ties, especially at the, the power and the height of, of the Kennedys, also the, the studios protecting themselves. I think just as much as we want to think that something more malice happened, I think we have to open 
open, open our eyes to all possibilities. And I just want to say thank you, Gary, for pointing that out because it's really easy just to go to malice, malice, malice when it's not necessarily, um, it's a cover-up, don't get me wrong, but the cover-up may not be around her death as it is in association. So with that said, uh, let's get into the suicide prevention team. Um, we're going to talk about that. We've talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the first season. Uh, Mary Jane, what exactly is the suicide prevention team? The suicide prevention team was founded in 1958, and it um, was Dr. Farborough, Dr. Schneidman, and Dr. Littman, and they were psychologists, psychiatrists with an expertise in suicide. And they originally first got some attention in 58 when uh, Chief Gates had asked them to investigate a series of drug overdose deaths, um, seeing if they, they were suicide or of other means. And then they were called in to investigate Marilyn's case and do what was termed a psychological autopsy um, in 1962, and that's when they really got a lot of attention. And just want to uh, just uh, you know make note of Norman uh, Norman Fabero died this last week. Uh, he was 97 years old, and goes back to again you know the people that have firsthand knowledge of that time are passing. So it's really important um, that in this case, in this mystery, that we hopefully will get the people that were there firsthand that we can either get them documented if they haven't been documented already. Uh, Leslie, do you want to add anything to uh, what Mary Jane is saying? Uh, Well, I I want to touch on what she stated about the suicide prevention team's job being to determine whether a death, which is obviously not of natural causes, was intentional or accidental. So the psychological autopsy was used. That was their tool that they had created. Um, and it was a fairly new methodology that was starting to get some attention and became, got a lot of attention after Marilyn's death, um, that used a multi-step process to look at the person's life, at the details of their death, at the days preceding, um, a a whole list of things that they looked at to try and determine whether the death would have been intentional or a suicide or accidental. So that was their, their job in terms of Marilyn's death and investigations. And do you think they did a great job? Well, it's hard to say because their um, files have never been released. So... (laughs) We haven't been able to see who they interviewed. We don't know what all they uncovered. Um, We only know their conclusion, which was probable suicide. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue the conversation on the suicide prevention team. I'm going to get my thoughts from Gary Vitalka Robles, obviously a mental health professional, and dig a little bit deeper. And then we're going to get uh, the legacy thoughts of, of, of all the experts in their panel about Marilyn Monroe. You're listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. I'm Nina Bosky, and we'll be back right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Good Night Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarylandLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, I'm Greg Schreiner from Maryland Remembered. Did you know that Marilyn was a very generous person? I've met many people that knew her, and they all said if you admired something she was wearing or something she owned, you had to be careful because it may be appearing at your doorstep the next day. She really was not into material things, not into money. She cared more about people and about life. For Good Night, Marilyn Radio and Marilyn Remembered, I'm Greg Schreiner. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Goodnight Maryland Radio, Season 2, the last day of Marilyn Monroe's life. We are talking about the suicide prevention team. You know, Gary, uh, I want to touch on this a little bit in terms of, you know, because a lot of times people will say, you know, it's probable suicide. And I think we have to really look at that because that, to me, is a really important aspect in terms of overturning the coroner's findings about accidental and indirect versus uh something that was intentional. Do you want to uh, shed a little light on that one? Sure. And, you know, this goes back to Scheidman's um, technique and, you know, what he uh, learned in his suicidology. He, he published this in 1961, and, and he said that for uh, an act to be suicidal, it, it must be that the, the subject had the conscious knowledge to end her own life. And, and he indicated that there had to be will there had to be knowledge, and there had to be clear intention. So, you know, he took into account what he called indirect death, which are behaviors that are exhibited that aren't consciously intended to end the life, but, but they jeopardize the life and, and longevity, and they, um, they, they're high-risk behaviors that would be seen as self-destructive, that would put someone's life at risk. And this could be smoking. This could be um, drug abuse. And he also took into account any kind of a psychological disorder, um, chemical imbalances, depression, 
affecting a person's ability to make conscious decisions. And, um, you know, he, he questioned um, whether or not a, a person should be held liable for their actions or responsible for their actions if they have a, one of these related disorders. So, you know, he was aware of depression. You know, he was aware of, of mood disorders. And it seemed this particular team had some insight into the symptoms of borderline personality disorder, which were identified back then but wasn't a bona fide diagnosis until, until later. And that takes into account um, someone who is reaching out uh, for help and the, and the behavior, which is suicidal, is, is hoping to communicate pain. And in fact, Farborough's um, title of his book that he had written the year before Marilyn died was called A Cry for Help. So it seemed like they had some of that insight and awareness in their methodology. Well, and I think that you're bringing up a really important point, and it's going to be one of our missions going forward in this case. Um, There is a lot of shame and stigma still out there, even though we have all these resources and tools and we can identify what borderline personality is as well as bipolar uh, or any uh, uh, misdiagnosed or or diagnosed mental disorder. There's a lot of people walking out there with stigma and shame. And I think one of the things that could be really helpful in the legacy of Marilyn Monroe is to look at her and everything that she achieved in a time where they couldn't diagnose her properly. And not only that, they were prescribing her medicine. And Dr. Kareem, um, Reef Kareem talked about it. Mary Jane, you've certainly talked about it. I'm sure all of us of the panel is, is touched on it, how much her medicine was actually, um, uh, it was a detriment to her, her diet, you know, her, her disorders. It was, it got to a point where it was not even helping her. And the fact that she could do that, and if she could face it, and I'm sure in today's day and age, she would be one that would be out there talking about it and not be afraid to let people in on her pain so other people could heal. So one of our main missions is to bring some light into mental illness and bringing that into the forefront. So her legacy isn't just about, oh, she's taking all these pills and she's just crazy. Because you see that in a lot of documentaries, and that is not the case, and it's not fair, and it's not true. So that's going to be one of our missions in the investigation team. And sure, I'm sure with uh, not only the panel here, but uh, Gary, with your mental health background, that it'll be a wonderful mission for us to achieve in terms of Marilyn's legacy. So thank you on that. Um, uh, Mary Jane, do you want to add anything as uh, before we move on to the legacy part? Do you want to say anything in terms of the suicide prevention team? Um, well, I mean, I have my own thoughts about the suicide prevention team, but um, one of the things I just wanted to address with it is it was not the suicide prevention team's job to determine them the manner of death. They, they, it was not their job to say, oh, this was a, a homicide or this was a suicide. They went into it being told this is a suicide and their job was to determine whether it was intentional or accidental. 
Okay, that's a very, very good point because a lot of times people do not know that. And also just a a, a point that we pointed out in one of the earlier shows, uh, but Dr. Greenson and Dr. Robert Littman, and you, I remember you reading a letter, Mary Jane, back, they were also um, colleagues, which I thought was, uh, you know, a very interesting thing when they're investigating, you know, whether it's a suicide and they're that closely related. Uh, Your thoughts about that? Uh, yeah, Dr. Lippman was actually a former student of Dr. Greenson's, and they were um, both professional colleagues and I would presume uh, social friends. Um, they actually were on several board of directors together, and, you know, they had a long-standing professional relationship. And the only document that I have seen from the suicide prevention team is a letter from Dr. Lippman to Dr. Greenson that uh, says, you know, this, this, this will clear you. You've been treated terribly in the press. We found that you've done nothing professionally unethical. Yeah, and that was like several weeks after, which I, you know, yeah. again, you know, but you again, go back you to... know, you have to find that questionable because of the, the you know, there's a bias there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like uh, having a doctor, uh, you know, uh, Michael Jackson's doctor being investigated by a close colleague. That would not happen. Hopefully, it would not happen in today's uh, day and age. So, um, I'd like to switch gears here because I don't want to uh, run out of time. The suicide prevention team. Obviously, we have more information there that we're going to have to explore uh, in season three. We'll be coming back around with the suicide prevention team. Obviously, there's all, a lot of more connected dots in terms of after her death. But I'd like to leave this on a note of this season in terms of her legacy. Uh, Leslie, what would you like to say in terms of Marilyn and leaving us some wonderful thoughts for us to ponder about? Miss Monroe. Uh, first of all, first of all, I want to say thank you to you, Nina, for giving us this opportunity to speak for Marilyn on this show and the chance to dispel the myths and share her truth. Um, because preserving Marilyn's legacy, the real Marilyn, it's an uphill battle that we fight every day at Immortal Marilyn. And it's wonderful to have this opportunity to share the truth on this show and to be able to speak for her. Um, and what I want to say about Marilyn's legacy most is what danger the real Marilyn faces and how easily her true legacy can be lost. We live in an age where anyone can take any quote, put Marilyn's name on it, and share it around the world in a matter of minutes. When anyone can Photoshop her head onto another body or her entire body into a false situation, and before you know it, it's been repinned and shared a million times over as a real photo. I want to share Marilyn's words on the subject of how she wanted to influence her fans. She said, I refuse to let articles appear in movie magazines signed by Marilyn Monroe. I might never see that article, and it might be okayed by someone in the studio. This is wrong, because when I was a little girl, I read signed stories in fan magazines, and I believed every word the stars said in them. Then I'd try to model my life after the lives of the stars I read about. If I'm going to have that kind of influence, I want to be sure it's because of something I've actually said or written. I frequently hear people say that false quotes and photoshops are not a big deal, that they are art, or that Marilyn would have approved of the sentiment even if she didn't actually say it. False quotes take the place of the things she really did say. Photoshopped pictures cloud her real story, and Marilyn herself wanted only her real words and her real intentions to be shared in her name. Marilyn has been gone over 50 years, and in another 50 years, who will be left with any real memory of her? The fans of today will have to hand the torch to a new generation of fans, and it is our job to make sure that the truth is handed down and not a slew of fake quotes and photoshopped pictures. 
Marilyn deserves to have her real legacy live on. That real legacy is incredible artistry put down on film, still and motion pictures alike, and honest words showing incredible insight not only into herself but into humanity. It needs to be preserved now so it can be shared with the future. So before I get off my soapbox, I want to implore all of Marilyn's fans to join us in sharing Marilyn's real words, her real image, and in keeping her legacy true to who she really was. We have a Facebook page, Immortal Marilyn Quote Unquote, where we share real quotes. Please visit. Please help us share who she really was. Soapbox done. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for that. And I think that's a, a sound bite uh, in the making. And we'll share just that bite uh, all over on our Facebook page. So we'll grab that. Thank you, Leslie Kasperowitz. Mary Jane Gray, your closing thoughts. Okay. Uh, Marilyn said in an interview in 1960, the true things rarely get into circulation. It's usually the false things. And unfortunately, we're finding decades later that her words still resonate because it's still happening to her. Uh, I don't think people really realize the impact of what they're saying when they repeat these salacious rumors and gossip about Marilyn. And by repeating these rumors, what's really being said is that Marilyn was needy, she was clingy, she was vindictive. And that's not the Marilyn that I know or admire. Um, She said, in my story, uh, people had a habit of looking at me as if I were some kind of mirror instead of a person. They didn't see me. They saw their own lewd thoughts. Then they white-masked themselves by calling me the lewd one. And 60 years later, it's still happening, and people are wanting to project this image of her of being a bimbo, of being promiscuous, and I think it says more about them than it does about her. Um, The Marilyn that I studied and love and admire was strong and tough, and she walked out on a marriage that didn't support her career. She left someone she loved because he was abusive. She said the thing in her life that she was most proud of was that she'd never been a kept woman. She was always classy and discreet when, on the very few occasions, she spoke of past relationships. But she's being portrayed as somebody who had a total personality shift and became overwrought over an alleged affair and would just destroy everything she had worked for. There's so many reasons that Marilyn should be admired, and she has so many accomplishments that should be recognized today, but people seem more concerned with who they think she was sleeping with, and that reduces her into somebody that I don't even recognize. So in closing, I have another quote from Marilyn uh, from a 1962 interview with George Barris. It's these people that have been writing all those lies about me. All I know, it's their problem. Those people, I don't know them, or if we have met, it's been brief. Can I take it? Are you kidding? I'm used to it. And remember the old saying, consider the source. So I just want to implore people, when you read something about Marilyn, look at who the source is. Look at who's saying it. Look at what their motive is in saying it. Are they out to sell a book or otherwise make money? Is it somebody who really knew her? So always, always consider the source. All right, Mary Jane. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was uh, wonderful. Again, employing the real Marilyn and Gary Vitaco Robles, uh, your closing thoughts. Well, little Norma Jean grew up wanting nothing more than to be loved. And as Marilyn Monroe, she ultimately achieved this goal, becoming one of the most charismatic and beloved women in the history of the planet. I see her as a resilient survivor of childhood abuse and mental illness who became a goddess, a legend, an icon. She continues to inspire young people today 
to reach for their dreams the way she did. And her tragic death does not mar this image. Um, by revealing her vulnerability and humanity, she endures as an American treasure. Bravely, she was the first public figure to disclose childhood sexual abuse and her own history of mental illness. I see her as a psychological, cultural, and spiritual phenomenon. Her story continues to educate people about these very important issues. And culturally, she impacted us 50, oh. 60 years ago, and she endures. Subsequent Today. to her death, each new generation reinterprets her life. And spiritually, she engenders empathy and compassion to those born long after she died, and we project our own subjective interpretations onto her life. Marilyn wanted nothing more than to become a good actress, and I see that, that she was an accomplished oh. actress who All had right. incredible screen presence. All right, I have to I have to close out this week's show. I know you probably have some more and I'd love for you to post it on Facebook, Gary, Leslie and Mary Jane. We are running out of time. That wraps another week's show, another season, season two. Please go back and listen to the past episodes on demand and get caught up. We will be back in January for another season and hopefully with some great updates on the movie, the investigation and the life of Marilyn Monroe. I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Maryland Radio. Until next time, remember, never stop dreaming. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Goodnight Maryland Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week.